You are listening to the Ingredients for Success podcast, where you can consume dietary supplement industry best practices, trends, recent news, and other insights provided through interviews and discussions with members of the Stratum team and seasoned industry execs. Welcome back to the Ingredients for Success podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Rizzo, and today I have on the show Rick Polito. Rick is um, the editor-in-chief for Nutrition Business Journal, also known as NBJ. He is a career journalist with an eye for a story, and he has the style to prove it. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jackie. Um, thank you for having us on, or me on. Yeah. Well, first, I want to just congratulate you on the launch of your third book, um, which I have your first one, Off Trail, that I have started reading, um, and I have really enjoyed it. Oh, well, thank you. It's, it's been really fun. I mean, I have my, I have my day job, thank God. <laughs> but it's, it gives me, you know, another place to sort of offload some of my, you know, mean-spirited sarcasm. Yes. And, you know, I can see it in the book, but I wouldn't say it's mean sarcasm. It's just, it's, it's witty and it's, it's uh, intelligent. I have really enjoyed it. I'm only halfway through, so I need to get the rest of it read. Um, but if anyone is interested in getting any one of your books, they can find them on Amazon. Is that correct? That's right. And of course, I have one because I'm so yes. you know, happy. I didn't think they made my name big enough, though. So. It, it should have been just a little bit bigger. <laughs> so it's on Amazon, Off Trail, and then you can search Rick Polito if anyone wants to check that out. And then there are two other additional books. You have just been writing like fire because, from my understanding, Off Trail launched in May of 2021, and then you had two more books right after that. Is that right? Yeah, well, I found a you know a publisher that likes to knock out books, and I'm I was a reporter for 20 years, so I can write really fast, and mm. you know I uh, ended up writing three books last year. I mean, three of them. Well, the other one was already written, but anyway, um, it's just you know it's if you if you know deadline and you get in the groove, it's you know you, I can knock these books out, but it's. Mm-hmm. It's some, it's some place where I can really find flow and I can find that BJ and writing reports and stuff. But here's like, you know, I, it's an exploration. I don't know how it ends when I start. Often. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see how off trail ends, how you ended it there. So I'll have to let you know as soon as I do finish that book. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So Rick, you are known for many things. I actually am going to read what I wrote down because when I started looking for, you know, digging into your uh, biography and all that you've done, there were just a few things that I found that were very interesting. Um, that is that you're an incredible journalist. Like you said, you've been in it for 20 plus years. You're an author. Um, you're the one who launched MBJ's first dark issue, which I need to get my hands on that because I would love to see what that's all about. You're the guy behind the Wizard of Oz joke. So maybe we can hit on that in just a minute. And you've mentioned before that you're the only one in history to have ever witnessed a gas chamber execution and opened for Robin Williams, one of my favorite actors of all time, in the same job. So you are quite the guy. Can you tell me the story behind that last job description between the gas chamber and Robin Williams? Well, I was I was a newspaper reporter for, as I said, it was 21 years. Um, I've been in journalism for over 30 now. And... You know, newspaper reporting is sort of a front row seat to the world. You get to go do some strange, different things. So I went from being, you know, like to call a hard news reporter covering, you know, fires and murders and, you know, waking up politicians in the middle of the night 
to a features writer. So that's where you get a sort of a shift from being someone who, you know, watched a, the last gas chamber execution in the United States and then ended up in features and decided I'll do a first person story on stand up comedy and ended up in a theater getting ready to go on stage for the first time, terrified that all I've been thinking about for days and days and finding out like three minutes before that Robin Williams was in the house and was going to appear that night. So those are some very, two very, very different experiences. But when I, when I went into journalism as the, you know, the young man, it was to do something different every day. And um, that's certainly examples of how I was able to do that. That is, that is two very extreme examples, but what incredible stories and memories to have as, as a journalist and in your life. Now- That almost makes up for the low pay. The low, <laughs> yes. So now there's a Wizard of Oz joke that has been floating around for, man, I don't even, I can't remember when you wrote it. Was it nine years ago, eight years ago or something? Oh, it was in the mid nineties. Oh goodness, much longer than that. <laughs> um, I was at this newspaper in the Bay Area where you know the, the above mentioned uh, things happened, and I um, volunteered sort of help, like right, what was on TV every night? Well, TV highlights. It was just like, okay, we see something, put them on, and I started turning them into jokes. And for a little while, it was syndicated and. As far as the internet knows, I've only written 24 words in my whole life. <laughs> and it was this Wizard of Oz joke that's been viral a couple of times. It was on Reddit yesterday. So it's going to follow me to the grave, as I often say. And it's just a description of the Wizard of Oz that at least some of your viewers have already seen because it's been around for so long. And it goes as the synopsis. Transported to a surreal landscape, a young girl kills the first person she meets and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. And that's, like I said, it'll follow me to the grave. It's as though I never wrote anything else. Yeah, that is, that, that's true. But that is something I guess to be famous for. I, if I remember correctly, was it on Jay Leno's show or one of the Tonight Shows? Someone read no, it there. It's been read on the Tonight Show three times. Three times. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to follow you forever. Yeah. <laughs> so you work for um, Nutrition Business Journal, which is NBJ. We have a lot of our audience. They are um, veterans in the industry and are definitely aware, well aware of who you are. But we also have some up and coming startups who also have started listening to our podcast. Um, for them, can you describe what NBJ is and what it offers to the industry? Well, NBJ was founded in the not long after Deshay, and they should know what Deshay is, um, when the industry was just starting to go kind of crazy and go wild and have all these different products out there and there was a lot of the early really strong growth some of the strongest growth we've seen in 2020 when all that happened um and it was what people didn't know as they were going out in this market is that the numbers on what was selling what kind of ingredients where it was selling were largely unknown it wasn't being tracked so mbj came on board you know came came into being as a way of you know, delivering those numbers so that the industry could know how much was selling, where it was selling, what was growing, and you know, a glimpse of what we thought was going to come next. Mm -hmm. And we're still doing that. We're following trends, we're, we're forecasting, we're sizing the market, and the market hasn't gotten any simpler to, to size. We have a, it's a very complicated market of you know, e-commerce, um, all these independent grocers, you know, supplement-only stores, mass market, Whole Foods. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's a complicated mix of channels and very hard to size and we're 
you know, we have a formula and we have the connections and we're part of this community that allows us to, you know, give some solid numbers about what's selling and how much. Which is definitely very helpful um, to companies to know what is up and coming, what's trending and what the data shows. And looking back over the last couple of years, what would you say is your view of the current state of the industry? Well, as I said before, the industry saw this tremendous growth in 2020. Um, lots of concerns for health, you know, without pharmas, pharma wasn't showing up with anything in that first year. And the only way to stay healthy was to, you know, be healthy in the first place. I think people recognize that and they were looking for any edge they could get against this, you know, unseen virus that was upending their world. And so we saw immunity really take off. It was in the, you know, more than 60% growth, I believe. And I don't have all these numbers in front of me right now. Yeah, and I think that was, you know, that was a tremendous boost. And now it, what goes up that fast can't keep going up that fast. And we saw that back, you know, to 5% or so in 2021. And we need to uh, put that into context though. This is a much bigger industry. 7 billion new dollars were added to the supplement industry in 2020. And we're up in the mid fifties for billions for uh, sales in the United States. So I think that that slowdown was in growth was natural, but it's growing from a much bigger base. So I think we're in a really solid place and a lot of people who are introduced to supplements, you know, new people coming into the industry and, uh, and saw some benefits, I believe. I mean, it's especially built around immunity, building around just that idea of, hey, you gotta be healthy if you wanna stay healthy, especially with all the comorbidities that were associated, associated with uh, COVID you know, diabetes, obesity, heart problems, all these things are sort of linked to lifestyle and linked to nutrition and supplements offer some answers. So I think it's in a really good place. I don't think we're going to see 14% growth anytime soon again, but I think we're going to see, you know, some people stick with it, not everybody, but some. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that, you know, that's kind of the silver lining of COVID is, is that um, consumers, all of us, well, in general, are have come to realize that, you know, immune health doesn't just start when the cold weather begins, but it's a year round. We have to be aware of our health and start taking care of that, you know, from the get go and not just when the sniffles come or something like that. So I, I do believe that that's one of the silver linings of COVID um, is that it's made health such a strong focus. Um, well, I think I think there's there's something in there we don't talk about is immunity isn't just not getting sick. It's, you know, mm -hmm. what happens after you get sick and your immune system, how it copes with things. And like I said, all those comorbidities are about how strong is your foundation if you are, you know, if you encounter illness, we're all going to get sick of something. And, um, you know, being ready for it, having a strong, healthy system is is important and nutrition is pivotal to that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, do you see any health ingredient categories that are lacking in education and content? And if so, will NVJ be producing any reports to address those gaps? I think the, the most complex system in your body is, is the gut. And um, I've, you know, I've stood on stage and called the microbiome un, unfigureoutable. And there's a lot there to nor research are coming and we're sort of just getting started on a lot of that stuff. But I think the piece in there that, you know, consumers could benefit with some education from is more about prebiotics. Now prebiotics are doing well. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, and especially what we call symbiotics of combining prebiotics and probiotics. But I think prebiotics and the whole um, fiber category deserves a lot more notice than it's getting. If you look at sort of a 
nutritional crisis in this country. It's fiber. Three to six percent of Americans get the proper amount of fiber every day. And there's all these effects through your, you know, your heart, your mood, weight. All these things are affected by fiber. And I think there could be a better, uh, you know, better education around that and formulation and prebiotics. Um, what Prenexus is doing with their prebiotic and what uh, NB Pure is doing with a sort of a designer fiber. Um, there's a lot to be known there and just the education could be as simple as, you know, feed the good bugs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is so true. And I think one of the key goals for us in the industry is to make, make the education simple enough for the consumers to understand because it is, the microbiome is so complex, you know, and like it is hard, it is hard to figure it out and put all the pieces together. And so how can we do that in these small chunks to be then able to deliver to the consumers? Absolutely. And I think the way probiotics took off, I mean, it's obviously there's a blueprint in there somewhere about it. But I think that there's, you know, some really promising, you know, benefits from fiber that are very obvious and and prebiotics that could be explained. Like I said, it's feed those good bugs. It's, you know, it's, I think we all know, somewhat hard to really change the the makeup of the bacteria in your body, but feeding the good bugs that are there is, seems intuitive almost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is, that is true. So you mentioned prebiotics, probiotics, or yeah, prebiotics, probiotics. We have, you know, added a postbiotic to our ingredient portfolio. I, I will hope to see that, that's my hope, is that postbiotics will take off and that will be one of the trending um, categories or ingredients that we will see in our industry for the next you know, year or two. Are there any other trends? Because that's part of what you do with NBJ is seeking out those trends and then letting us know as an industry what they are. Do you have anything else that might be up and coming? I think, I mean, we've already talked about immunity, but immunity getting so much attention, you know, how do we keep that going? I can incorporate immunity stuff into multis, which are obviously the most important or most popular, you know, category in supplements. So I think getting immunity in a different product is going to be important. I think, you know, the other big benefit from, for the supplement industry from COVID was stress and sleep. And I think stress has a, a lot of interest, especially from young people. Some of our surveys show that Gen Z looks to, nutrition and supplements is a sort of a primary answer for stress and, uh, you know, that mood enhancement that you can get from, you know, eating right for starters, but also all the different botanicals that are out there. So I think, I think immunity and incorporating it into more products in a way that makes sense to consumers is a good trend. I think stress is a good trend. I think that, um, I think CBD and, um, the cannabinoids, need to find their place in a way that's not that, oh my God, it's going to cure everything gross. So the way that settles out is going to be really important to the herbs and botanicals category. And I'm not sure what that's going to be yet. And I can't be every brand saying everything. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on, but not, you know, bet the house on either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, we here at Stratum, we receive the monthly reports, the NBJ reports, and I thoroughly love it. I'm constantly asking David Hoover, who's our marketing manager, if he's received the reports yet so that I can have them to pull out information that we can use on in maybe trade publication articles or social media templates because there's so much data that you all provide. Um, one of the ones that I'm really looking forward to that's coming up soon is the one on delivery formats. Um, do you have 
Do you have any tips or any ideas for those who um, are thinking about purchasing the reports, what they can then do with that information, like any creative ways or just what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think for ingredient companies like Stratum and such is just seeing where, you know, what's selling and how much we expect the growth to be. And it's, as I said, NBJ has all these connections and this formula, which has proven over 25 years. It's, you know, so the obvious thing is what's going to sell next and where should we be, you know, placing our bets. But I think one of the ways that is really important now because of the industry's growing and because there's a certain amount of all over the country in all industries, new people coming in and there's a lot of turnover and people leaving jobs and moving around is when people take something like our supplement business report, it's like, you know, hand that to someone new and here's how you understand the industry. Here's how complex it is. Here's the things that affect, you know, from the consumer end on to the supply end, all these different pieces that are there. So I think the onboarding thing is important and obviously, you know, knowing what's coming, um, and then also getting a look at, you know, we do company profiles in our reports and our issues have a lot of touch on uh, what different companies are doing just to getting a piece of, okay, what's going on? This is a very complex industry with a lot of different brands in it, with a lot of these different categories and, you know, thousands of products. Um, getting that sort of that high view of uh, what's going on and what the different companies are doing is, you know, essential to any industry, but especially this one where it's so complicated with so many different players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to your team as well for all the work that goes into putting those reports together because they are, they are definitely a much needed resource. I think for ingredient companies, finished brands, you know, part companies, and then also others who are in maybe the trade publication who are writing for other different publications as well. It just, you, you narrow it down and you give it to us and it, it's a big chunk, but it's a digestible chunk of information. So well, that's that's obviously our goal to serve the community or serve the serve the industry in all that different ways. But I, you know, I mentioned the word community. It's sort of, I want there to be more dialogue. I want to hear from people out there too. I mean, what's going on? What do we need to know about? Um, I, you know, I'm really appreciating this connection we're making today. Um, love your company and the different interesting things you do. But there's all these different places. What helps make MBJ better is for us to talk to more people. So I would encourage people to reach out to us. And they can do that through, obviously, through the site, through Nutri you know, Nutrition Business Journal site. Also, probably with LinkedIn, I would say. Absolutely. They could reach you, Rick Polito, on LinkedIn. Um, where else, if someone is looking to maybe dig a little deeper into what MBJ has to offer, are there any other avenues that I might have missed? Well, we have our issues that come out every month or 11 months a year. Um, reports, we're, we're adding new reports as we start to see different know niches have evolved especially around you know the intersection of food and supplements but i think you know we obviously have nbj summit you know find us at the expos find us at supply side mm -hmm. um some of our stuff will show up ungated on newhope.com and like i said linkedin's a good place just to reach out to me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and That's the rest of my team bill giebler uh, also on the editor editor level with me at nbj and our um, our analyst, Claire Morton, and Erica Rommel, who's just come on. We have a new writer, Gil Asakawa, who's going to start next week. Oh, how exciting, how exciting, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Um, I recently got to speak with Bill, and he's, he's a fun guy, he's a fun guy, so definitely appreciate all that you guys do. In closing, um, what obstacles have you faced, or have you seen maybe just the industry faced over the past year? 
And do you have any advice for anyone maybe in that situation? I think you got the biggest thing right now is supply chain. And, you know, that much has been made over all these years about this global supply chain and how that complicated it is and the challenges around it. But we also got to learn how sort of fragile it is right now. And then that mixes in. It's not just what's happening overseas. It's going into what's happening in the United States with, you know, different labor shortages. It's like labor and supply chain are the biggest problems right now. And I think the only, you know, the only answer people have is sort of diversify where they're, where they're sourcing. And I think it's time to bring a lot of the supply chain, you know, back to the United States. There's, there's ways to produce, you know, more of our ingredients here. So as we close here, is there anything big on the horizon that MBJ has coming up? Well, that format report is something we've been asked a lot about over the years. Um, and we've been able to monitor it and, you know, pills and powders and stuff have, you know, gone past pills and not pills and powders. I'm saying gummies and powders and fizzes and stuff have, uh, you know, are accounting for more than half the market now, according to our numbers. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what's in there, where the growth really is. Is there, you know, is there an end in sight for gummies? Is there something else coming online? So I think the format reporters are next report that's really going to stand out as something different and also something the industry has been asking a lot about. That one really did stand out to me, especially with um, more consumers wanting different formats because of pill fatigue, taking so many pills, you know, every day and they just get tired. But also they're looking for, you know, the ready to drink beverages and then also functional foods. And so I'm hoping that in the report, maybe there's a little bit of that too mixed in uh, to see Absolutely. what's happening in the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's important because, you know, this is a industry that was built on pills and bottles and it's having mm -hmm. to, you know, adapt to people who want, you know, different formats or want to incorporate more of their, more of their supplementation into their foods. And we saw that with probiotics that a lot of what we think is sort of the slowdown in the pills was that you're finding probiotics and everything else. Yep. Yep. That is so true. That is true. Well, Rick, it has been a pleasure having you on today. I thank you so much. I know you're super busy. You're prob you probably have your fourth book, maybe thinking about it or in the works. Um, but I appreciate the time that you've given uh, to us here at Stratum and for all that you have provided and your team has provided to the industry, the data, the reports, they're just phenomenal and a great resource. So thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Jackie. I had a pleasure being here this morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see you hopefully at maybe Expo West. Yeah, I'll be on Expo West. I'm hosting the State of the Supplements uh, um, session. Claire Morton, our senior analyst, will be on stage with me. Oh, and, great. Um, so I'll you know, hopefully see a lot of people there. And if you don't know me, come up to me when, you, uh, when I get off stage. That's... That's true. We all should do that. Everyone listening to this, that will be at Expo. Go to his session. So I'm sure David Hoover and I will be there. So we'll look for you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. And I hope you have a great day. Thanks. All right. Bye.